Hello everyone, this is Megan Lavota, and thank you for listening to Psyche Design. Today I'm going to be discussing the difference between the creative functions and the experiential functions. Now these are two keywords that I have come up with in order to illustrate the difference between what Carl Jung calls and what the MBTI calls judging and perceiving. I think that the words judging and perceiving are pretty difficult to understand, and I can explain sort of the context behind that here at the beginning, but I also, I I believe that creative and experiential functions are just some other keywords that you can use in order to help you understand the nature of these functions. So really they're just there to help your understanding. So just as a reminder, when we're talking about cognitive functions here, it's very difficult to define these things word for word, because what we're really trying to talk about here is all of consciousness. And we're trying to divide it into eight pieces or however many pieces. So, you know, I'm doing my best to be specific with my language and that's what definitions are for is to help you understand but you know we're talking about huge topics so don't try your try to not get too stuck on the words and just allow the words to help you understand and experience the energy that is um the cognitive functions so just a little bit of background um as i've talked about in other episodes carl young's theory of psychological types is what inspired the popular MBTI. And the MBTI, there is a dichotomy. There are four different dichotomies um, that you're tested for. And then you receive a score on the instrument. um, And then your type basically is telling you if you are an extrovert or an introvert, an intuitive or a sensor or a feeler or a thinker. And those those parts of the dichotomy are natural oppositions within the psyche that Carl Jung discussed. And the J and the P stands for judging and perceiving. And it's a little bit confusing because Carl Jung does talk about feeling and thinking as you know, being related to the judgments that you are making and sensing and intuiting is related to your perception. But really, if you are a J in the MBTI, all that is telling you is that your feeling or thinking function or your uh, your preferred judging function is extroverted. So... I don't want to go too much into this because there are other things that you can look into if you want to know why this is, but essentially to be a judger in the MBTI doesn't, it it doesn't, um, it doesn't classify introverted judging in the same way. To be a judger means that your feeling or thinking is extroverted and to be a perceiver in the MBTI means that your sensing or intuiting is extroverted. So 
there are these traits and these sort of under this understanding that people will talk about through the MBTI in the sense that if you're a P, you might be more flexible, you might be more go with the flow. And if you're a J, you might be more organized or rigid, or you might um, want to organize the outer world, you might be more goal oriented. Um, these things are not pure archetypes. I'm going to explain, I'm going to explain why, but Essentially, the sort of understandings that we have of J and P are kind of removed from the core cognition and instead describing behavior. And it's kind of messy in the sense to where if you were going to try and type someone, it would be so much easier to figure out if they're extrovert or introvert, uh, sensing or intuiting, feeling or thinking. Judging and perceiving is going to be really, really confusing because it's kind of like removed from the thing that you're actually looking at because a judger who is using feeling is going to be organizing so much differently than a judger who is using thinking. And so it gets kind of confusing. And so the whole idea of J and P, Carl Jung also introduced the concepts of rational and irrational functions. Now, according to Jung, the rational functions are judging or, or, or basically the judging functions. The rational functions are feeling or thinking, and the irrational functions are sensing and intuiting. So there's this whole concept out there of how irrational and rational consciousness behaves differently. But if you are, okay, so the biggest confusion with your 16 type, your letter, your code, is that if you're an introvert, it's a little bit reversed for you in the sense that if you're an if you are an introvert, your second function is extroverted, which means that you know your dominant function is introverted. And so if you're a J and you're an introvert, then you actually are using a perceiving function first before you use your judging function, even though your four-letter code has you marked as a J. And same goes for if you are an introvert and you are a you're a perceiver. In that case, like INFPs, for example, your dominant function is a judging function. So that is what gets kind of confusing is that you can't just look at the end, the last letter of your four letter code and then think that your preferred way of processing is going to be either rational or irrational. So what did Jung mean by rational and irrational? Well, I'm not going to be super comprehensive on this, but just to sort of introduce it, um, this was actually one of one of Young's biggest, um, I guess, discoveries in the sense that at first he didn't think that irrational consciousness was a thing. It kind of seemed like a oxymoron where when people would think about consciousness um, and when philosophers would discuss it, they would be most of the time thinking about, um, you know, thinking and feeling. 
they would be thinking about how is my mind helping me make decisions. So the whole idea of irrational consciousness is it's not about making a decision or coming to a conclusion or thinking something or feeling something at all. It's about just being. And Jung talked about and reiterated the fact that that sort of irrational consciousness is just as valid and it's just as human as when our mind is going on and on. And one way to describe this is if you've ever done a mindfulness meditation and you are supposed to quiet your mind as much as possible and just be in the moment, you'll notice that there are thoughts and feelings kind of passing you by and you might have a tendency to kind of cling on to those and listen to your mental chatter as it goes or as it's going. Or you might feel just, you know, really deep into your body, feeling the way that the ground beneath you feels. You might be noticing the wind in your hair. You might be noticing, um, you might even feel a realization pop up. So to be noticing and being, and that could be in the physical or in the abstract realm, to be just noticing, it doesn't require your mind to make any sort of judgment on it. There is no rationality in it. It, it, it is irrational. Um, so, and then like, you know, your thoughts and feelings passing by you that you might grab a hold on, that would be more of the rational mind where it seems as though a lot of the goal of meditation might be to calm the rational mind. In our society, the rational mind is very, very much prevalent and preferred, I would say. Um, but the irrational side is still always there with you, no matter what your type is. So um, another thing that whenever Jung did these groupings of the rational and irrational functions, another thing that was surprising is the way they grouped feeling with rationality. Now that really shocked people. It might still shock you today because people think of emotions as being something irrational or something that has no, no sense of logic to it. Like we might equate logic with rationality, but according to Jung, logic and rationality were not linking those as synonyms. Um, and so one way to separate this is that the actual somatic feelings that you experience in the body, like when you feel a drop in your, in your throat or you feel butterflies in your stomach, that has more to do with sensing than it has to do with feeling. Feeling as a rational function is about deciding if something is good or bad. It is about evaluating um, either what to do, what, uh, 
your belief is on a certain subject, it it is a linear like thought process. So the semantics here is difficult because we call these functions thinking and feeling. But the actual way in which we use the word feeling in typical language is also going to be kind of covering um, a little bit of sensing or even intuition. Like if you were to say, oh, I have a feeling that something is going to happen here, that might, you might be referring to an introverted intuition sort of hunch or a realization that, that might have nothing to do with a feeling function. If you're saying that you feel sick or you feel tired, then that is, might be relating to a sensing function. And then when we talk about thinking as a function, that also is quite different than if someone were to just say, oh, I've been thinking about this topic lately, or I've been, I've been thinking about you, or I've been, oh, this thought just popped into my mind. I want to also clarify that it's not just thinking as a function, as a function that has literal thoughts come into your mind. A thought can also be from a feeling function. Um, the feeling function still operates as the sort of mental chatter um, going on in your mind that we might think of as just thinking. Um, if you prefer feeling as your as one of your top functions, that doesn't mean that you are only making decisions with your instinctual um, sensations in the body. Not that there's anything wrong with listening to that, but um, people tend to think of feeling as very reactive, more so than thinking. When if we're talking about feeling as a function, as an evaluative function that is trying to decipher if something is good or bad using ethics and values, it is um, very much a rational function and it has a linear thought process to it. So now that you know a little bit about rational and irrational consciousness as Carl Jung talks about it, um, I'm gonna tell you why, like, okay, so rational consciousness is feeling and thinking as, as a function, as, as I mentioned. So um, the, way, the way that this type of consciousness behaves is gonna be differently than the irrational consciousness behaves. And as I've talked about in previous episodes, our psyche is the totality of all psychic components. It includes the collective unconscious. It includes our personal unconscious. So it's not just what we see. It is everything that we are connected to. It is the whole collective consciousness, whatever term you want to use. And so I know that's really vague and can be difficult to conceptualize, but it's pretty much just uh, the rational and irrational consciousness is just one way of dividing consciousness in half the same way that you can do so with uh, introversion and extroversion. And it kind of will tell you a bit of how that consciousness is behaving. So when we're talking about cognitive functions, I like to think of thinking and feeling as functions as the creative functions and sensing and intuiting as the experiential functions. 
So I'm going to explain a bit of why that is. And essentially it's because, so to start with the rational, feeling and thinking, if you've ever heard about the idea of your thoughts create your reality, well, it's also the case that your feelings create your reality. Um, and in uh, the popular CBT therapy, it actually talks a lot about how thinking influences feeling and feeling influences thinking and that it influences the decisions you make, it influences your reaction, it influences your mindset, it influences what type of opportunities you can even notice, what you feel driven to um, respond to. The creative functions are, is basically you um, shaping your life um, as you wish. Um, where thinking as a function might be trying to carve out a path that makes sense to you and is in accordance of the laws of the universe and, you know, works. Whereas feeling would be carving out this sort of path that, you know, fills their heart's desire or, you know, you're carving out a life in which you are meeting your emotional needs, you feel fulfilled. Um, it's just, if you could think of thinking and feeling as both having like this little knife and your life is like, um, I don't know, like I'm thinking of wood carving for some reason. And your life is like, feeling has one goal where it's trying to shape a certain way um, of how your mindset is and how you're making decisions to be in accordance with those feelings and thinking has a different goal. And so if you, if you're a feeling type or a thinking type, you might be trying to, you might have completely different goals and, you know, internally you might have two completely different goals that may or may not be self-sabotaging each other. So that's where being aware of both of those can help. It's, even if you aren't doing anything, even if it is just in your mind and in your thoughts, it's still influencing and creating a new experience, even if that experience is just within your mind. It could even be like an intrusive thought. It could be, um, I'm not quite sure how to, how to explain this, but I'm like, we all know the experience of when your mind just won't shut up and or if you are having a feeling that is really strong and won't shut up even if your physical surroundings have not changed you are in a completely different place because your mind um you know is so powerful in terms of how we're even experiencing what's happening so you also could think of the creative functions as basically having sort of a filter over everything you see, which if we're going to move on to, this is especially true for those who their dominant function is either feeling or thinking. You can think of it as whatever you, whatever sort of goal you have in mind, 
whatever sort of path you're trying to carve out for for yourself using uh, either your thinking or feeling function is going to sort of shape what you even see. So the experiential functions, intuition and sensing, that has way more to do with your being, your experience, your experience without you having anything in mind, without you having any sort of preference or bias toward anything. It is just pure experience. And um, so if you are a, a dominant, uh, if you're a dominant uh, judging person with feeling or thinking, then you have this filter over your experience because your auxiliary function is going to be a um, experiential function and you're, you're going to have a harder time kind of tapping into just the pure being or experience of life because everything that you see is through your lens of is this true? Is this right? Is this wrong? Um, is this good? Is this bad? And so for a dominant feeler, you might have the experience in which you are positive vibes only and anything that is not good is going to be completely filtered out of your experience. Or if you're a thinker, if something does not fit with your personal philosophy or opinion, you might completely uh, filter it out of your experience. Thinking and feeling can be really good for filtering, um, but uh, the experiential functions, uh, sensing and intuiting, there are no filters. It is just being. And so you might be thinking that sensing uh, seems a lot more like an experience than intuiting. So I want to kind of clarify that. Uh, while as sensing is has to do with the physical facts in reality, intuition has to do with the abstract concepts in reality. Intuition um, sees the world through the lens of its potential and ideas. Whereas sensing sees the world through the lens of um, its physical instincts and of the vitality of life. So the way that I like to think about it, hopefully this makes sense, is that everything is energy. Everything is energy. Some of that energy is physical matter that has been, it has been created. It has been manifested already. And that is sensing. There's also energy that has not been created. And so it exists in this potential of what could be created. An intuitive might look at the world and be noticing what is about to be created or what has not been created or how all of the creations are connected or what might be created or what they would like to be created. Um, it's still just as real as sensing. It's just focused on a completely different realm. So an intuitive would be noticing, would be focused on the creative potential and not the creation. The intuitive is so focused on the creative potential, they might not even appreciate the creation or know how to experience the creation of life. 
And so an intuitive, the learning process for them would be to allow their creativity to be grounded, uh, allow, allow that the wisdom that comes from being so in tune with all of the connections and possibilities and allow them to be grounded in uh, what the creation. Um, and then for sensing, that would be more of like being able to look beyond what has already been created and pay attention to the subtle signs of what might be or um, what could be or what will be even. So, and this is why I brought up meditation as an example, because I there's lots of different types of meditation and some of them to me seems more sensing based and some seems more intuiting based. And I think that both are important in different ways. And uh, some people might resonate with some more than the other. And they also feed into each other. So if you're going to be doing a body scan meditation and you were going to be noticing the way your toes feel and then noticing the way your hands feel, you might be so focused on your body that you then have an idea pop into your head that you didn't even realize. Um, that's one way it could go. Or you could be so open and like kind of focused on like the void of potential and you're not really in the body. You might feel like you're floating. And then you realize as you're doing that, just how tight your jaw is. So that would be the reverse. But anyway, the experiential functions is about experiencing the energy of life, whether that is potential energy or manifested energy. And then um, thinking and feeling are is the way that we carve our path um, by creating with that energy. So experiencing the energy, creating with the energy, it's this back and forth. And no matter what your type is, this is a dance that we all do. So anyway, I that's why I think that uh, creative functions and experiential functions are some good keywords to talk about this dynamic. Um, I'll throw in, I guess, um, yeah, so as I, as I was saying earlier, that if you lead with a creative function, you might be always looking at reality through that lens of your personal bias or your filter. Whereas um, if you lead with a experiential function, you might feel the opposite where you're so open to everything that is thrown your way that you might feel a little bit lost or you might not quite know how to make your mark. So, or you might feel like you making your mark doesn't matter. You may um, feel so in the flow of, of life itself that you don't quite know what you want or um, what matters to you or what, what you think. So there are these different sort of ways that it can, it can be, it can come to be for you. So anyway, thank you so much for listening 
to this episode and have a wonderful rest of your day.